Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Thank you for joining us whenever you're listening, wherever you're listening. My name is Kwame, and Double Trouble is also in the house. Akil Thomas and Elijah Roberts. What up, boys? What's going on? What's up? Today is going to be a special episode because... You know, with what's going on in the world, things are changing a little bit. We've got Giovanni Smith from the Detroit Red Wings joining us later in the show. But first, I wanted to invite some special, and I mean special, young brothers to the show. So just to give you a little background, a few days ago, I was surfing Twitter, and I saw this video posted by a group of young Black hockey players who represent the WHL, uh, the AHL. Some are in their draft year. And uh, the video was powerful, so let me give you a little sample of that. Hi, I'm Zach Stringer of the Lethbridge Hurricanes. We wanted to create this video to show and express how some black males in our sport, past and present, feel on this topic. What BLM means to me, uh, I think BLM means, you know, not so much as black lives matter, but, you know, to the true kind human beings in the world, like every life matters. It means hope hopeful that we can overcome this crazy time and that we can provide a good future for our children and our children's children. What BLM means to us is change. We're not asking for black lives to be more important than anybody else. We're not asking for extra attention. We just want the same. We just want to be considered equal to everyone. We shouldn't be labeled as a threat just because of the color of our skin. We shouldn't have to walk in fear. We shouldn't have to use violence to get our point across. The black community is hurting. I know I'm hurting. Seeing innocent black people getting killed. It is hard to see, and it is hard to think every cop is not bad. These young men have put themselves out there. They've made a stand. So let me introduce you to Keyshawn Javaris, Zach Stringer, Makai Sanders, Coltrane Wilson, Montana, Onibuchi, Tyson Greenway and Justin Sordiff. What's going on, boys? You guys good? Everybody's good? Thanks for joining us, boys. Um, I just want to start off with you, Keyshawn. Um, how did the idea for the video come together? Um, yeah, so me, Zach, and Makai have had a little group chat for about a month and a half to two months now. Um, just, you know, we realized that we didn't really have too, too many black hockey players our age in our league. So, you know, we are kind of the same type of person. We had a little group chat and I remember uh, I posted a black lives matter Instagram and then them two did the same. And Zach came into the group chat and was like, you know what, we should just make a video, try to get as many black hockey players in the WHL as we can. And, you know, me and Makai were on board. So we just rounded up the guys and um, I ended up editing the video. Zach, got who he could get, Makai got who he could get, and then, you know, it was kind of a ripple effect. So, yeah, it was kind of a group effort from everybody, and, yeah, I'm just proud of how it turned out. Um, Montana, why did you guys feel it was important to make share your voices be heard in the hockey space? Um, you know, I, I think it's, it'd be a disservice if we didn't. Like, yeah, young guys are looking up to us, and we, we have, we're on a platform that we could, we could talk, and people are going to listen to us. You know, we, we reached – like 30,000 people in the video, you know. So it's just getting our voice out there, getting our message out there. So, yeah. So uh, Anthony Duclair wrote on Twitter, uh, very proud boys, great job. All we want is for the people of every race to just listen. Uh, so Coltrane, what did you think about the fact that, you know, someone from the NHL recognized what you guys did? 
Yeah, like that was obviously hopefully the plan. We wanted to kind of get as big as we could. And obviously, you know, we're we're junior players. We only got so big of a platform. So we, you could see we were tagging guys like, you know, we even tagged LeBron at one point and just tried to see as many people as we could get. But it was kind of sweet to see, you know, declare, like you mentioned, a guy who obviously is like a brother to us and he's playing in the playing where, you know, we all hope to be. And, you know, he's got a, quite a big following. So like I said, it was huge to, to kind of have him, you know, retweet that. Um, Makai, how has this moment affected you as a hockey player? Uh, personally, for me, and uh, you know, not very black area, just mostly white people, and especially playing hockey, there's also not a lot of black people. Uh, you know, it's uh, just more hope, I guess, because uh, we have more than one. It's not just me alone going at trying to be heard. It's me and a bunch of people. It's everyone trying to be heard together, and it uh, just can be a bigger impact when there's more people. Zach, in, in your piece, you mentioned you shouldn't have to uh, judge by the color of your skin. Do you feel this still happens or still happens when you're playing hockey? If so, how have you dealt with it in the past? Yeah, for sure. Just um, just those like older people, I guess, just making remarks on, oh, why, why would you pick that sport or why, why are you not playing basketball or yeah, just like in that standpoint. So, but uh, inside the hockey community, I haven't gotten it in a while, and uh, it's good to see. It's it's great to feel, honestly. And uh, going going up with like the group of guys we did to put out this video is great. Just it's easier to be stronger together than by yourself. So, yeah. So you know when 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 people like guys in the room. Um, you know, maybe say something racist towards like an Asian or an Indian or whatever. Like, I, I actually don't like it just because I'm thinking like, if I'm not in here, like, what are you saying about black people or whatever? So, um, this is a question basically for any of you guys. Um, have you ever like been, has anyone on your team like said something racist, like towards another black guy and like not knowing like you're right there? Because I remember, um, probably my first year, this, like my, this guy on my team called like this black guy on Mississauga a monkey, and I was sitting right right next to him on the bench, and he was like, "I'm so sorry, man." So I just want to know if, if that's something you guys have ever experienced. Um, yeah, you want to go, Coltrane? Yeah, I'll, I, I'll hey, I'll take first. Uh, <laughs> I remember a Euro, you know, mentioned to one of our our uh, you know playing against one of the other guys and called said he was gonna I uh, quote kill you and in your country in my country we kill people like you and obviously you know he didn't I, like he knew i was there but i'm sitting right there wow and I'm, I'm i'm not gonna name any names or anything like that but like it is what it is and like obviously he he apologized and it's the heat of the moment we're in a game it's emotional but what is it but afterwards i had to go up to him and i was just like yo man like that guy's like as much as he's on the other team like that guy's also like my brother and that, it's, the funny is the guy i knew him really well he was actually in the video we did and like it's it's harmless it's emotional i know he didn't mean it you know literally but at the same time you know we all been there and we you got to take it to heart at the same time so so uh so tyson in the past like speaking up obviously was um kind of a career killer for a black hockey player just because of you know how times were back then um were you nervous about putting yourself out there like for uh, with the video yeah, well, obviously, being a, a young guy in the league, it was it's tough to speak up and be heard. But uh, seeing all the older guys 
uh, speak on the video and on the topic. It's it's good to see and it helps me use my voice on the platform I have to speak on what I have to say and use my voice. Justin, what does Black Lives Matter mean to you? Um, I think like the other guys touched on it, it means hope. Um, you know, obviously we need drastic changes in sports, society, you know, everywhere. Um, and I think if we can get to that point where everyone's treated as an equal human being, um, you know, I think the world will be uh, just fine. Makai, what have been your thoughts seeing players like Jonathan Taves, Max Domi, Tyler Sagan, and others taking a firm stand on this issue? Uh, I think it's good because a lot of Black Lives Matter protesters might have like a little, might be aggressive towards a lot of white people right now and kind of just show that not just like not all black people are thugs, not all, not all cops are bad, just to show that there are people like other white people that actually do care about the, about the, uh, the matter at hand. So I think it's a good uh, to just, for some people to be able to show that. So uh, Keyshawn, um, you're an advocate for mental health awareness and um, you actually started a clothing company to kind of spread that. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about your, your clothing company you started and uh, like how people can find it. Yeah, so um, I started a clothing line called Teddy Wear and it was basically to promote mental health because myself, um, I've struggled with mental health. I've been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. So um, I know how people go through that. They feel alone. So I just wanted to try to create something that helped people uh, feel like you know, they weren't alone and they did have something and they did have a support system. So, uh, you know, I've just been kind of stocking up and just been waiting because the demand here in Saskatchewan is pretty high. And we've just been waiting on our business license to go through because during this COVID situation, apparently everybody wants to be a business owner. So we're kind of waiting a little bit to uh, for that to go through. Then we'll be hitting the online store. But we, uh, we just put it off a little bit for... Uh, the Black Lives Matter line that we're going to be dropping around Tuesday to Thursday, I believe. That's awesome, man. And, uh, like, I respect it a lot just because, you know, if um, there's a kid who's playing minor bantam or, or minor peewee and they're going through the same thing and maybe, you know, they're um, embarrassed to talk about it or um, just, you know, they don't want to, you know, get help or something. They can look up to a guy who plays in the WHL and obviously they want to do the same thing. and. Um, they feel confident enough to be like, yeah, like if, if Keyshawn, you know, if, if Keyshawn goes through it and, um, and stuff, then no, why, why can't I um, talk yeah. about it and stuff? So I really respect you, you for that. It's awesome, man. Thank you. Um, I know you're still figuring out the details, but where can we go to uh, check out the clothing? You go on Teddy Wear's Instagram. I know some guys from the O and the Q have reached out and some from the dub. So I'm kind of like, shipping off stuff to them if they if they need so if anybody needs just go on the teddy wear page and you know that's kind of where i've been doing orders until i can get that website up so uh i just wanted to say a couple things just because you know when when elijah and i first started uh talking about doing this podcast and stuff it it kind of came from um thinking like elijah was one of the first like black teammates I actually had played with just because I, I grew up in Florida and you know not that many kids play hockey there and obviously not that many black kids play hockey there um, even more so um, when I came to you know the OHL 
and <clears throat> uh, I played with Elijah my second year. Um, it was just awesome just having, you know, another black guy on the team. Like, um, like obviously Elijah and I are best friends, but, you know, we share some of the same similarities that no one on, no one else on the team could, could kind of understand. And I think that's something you guys might be able to relate to. Justin, I wanted to, uh, you know, first of all, you know, uh, good luck. This is your draft year, right? Yeah. Um, now how are you feeling, man? How are you feeling about it? Uh, I'm pretty calm about it. Uh, I think it's supposed to happen in the fall now, so it's, like, kind of weird how everything's happened. There's no combine or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I've been managing. Uh, it's been all right. Hopefully you'll get a chance to play in the show and, you know, go up against, a, you know, some, some of the, the, the world's best. Do you think you will be able to continue and um, to, you know, make your voice be heard about diversity and inclusion, especially in the NHL level? I definitely think so. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Evander, you see how much uh, he's putting in, you know, all over his social media, um, kind of just spreading awareness. Um, and I think he's doing a great job of that. And obviously that's something that, you know, I'd strive to do. Um, and if I'm able to kind of get to that point, uh, no, I'd definitely use my platform to my advantage. Uh, to help out, you know, our black community. Boys, uh, just wanted to thank you guys for coming on. It was great having you guys, and um, obviously, great, great video you guys put together. It's gonna change some things, and I think, uh, you know, it's crazy what's going on right now. It's kind of like a, it's actually we're a part of history. I think in in terms of like where racism is going in North America, like it's it's huge. Like everyone's out on the streets protesting, and every athlete's. Um, know speaking up so you guys are a part of that and um it's, it's crazy but uh thanks again for coming on we really appreciate it it was fun yeah thanks for having us thanks for having us yeah thank you oh, thanks for having us you could add on to that um yeah just want to say thanks to all you guys for coming on i mean i'm a lot older than you guys or oh, i think than some of you guys and maybe not a lot <laughs> but I, I think i'm older than everyone maybe other than culture and kwame but to see younger guys speaking yeah. up, it, it, it means a lot because maybe when I was younger, there were some times where I didn't really have the courage to to say something. But, you know, as younger guys speaking up now, when younger players of color come into the league, they might not be afraid to speak up. So just what you guys are doing, it's great. And I think you're inspiring a lot of people and just uh, keep it up. Don't uh, Don't let Elijah fool you. He's my son, so. <laughs> don't get a twisted killer <laughs> alright boys with that once again thank you God bless you guys and coming up next from the Detroit Red Wings we got Giovanni Smith right here on Swan Nights the podcast good? yeah alright Welcome back to the show. Let me introduce you to our next guest, drafted by the Red Wings, 46 overall, the younger brother of Jamel Smith. This young man has grinded it out. He's earned his spot in the show, coming in at 6'2", about 220 pounds of pure funk, representing Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Giovanni Smith. What's really Gucci, my brother? How are you? <laughs> what's good? What's good? Thank you. Trust me. Thanks come for on introduction. This, come, you come on this podcast, brother. We just we hype it up. We give it that soul. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear that. Um, 
So we just wanted to start with, um, you know, by asking you, how is everything going with you? You know, we've had this COVID, everything that's going on in the States. How are you doing personally? Personally, I'm doing pretty good. Like I just came off my second year of pro playing. And then this year I was fortunate enough to get some NHL games in. And that's a big year for me. It's accomplished one of my goals and, you know, to come back, come back home in the midst of all this, you know, COVID-19 during this pandemic, you know, it's kind of, it's a big tragedy, but at the same time, it's, it's a world pandemic. So we got to get through this together. Are you involved or planning to be involved in any works within the black community of Detroit? Is that something you want to kind of get into? Yeah, actually I, I did my first year, my first year we were doing this program and in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan, it helps youth kids who can't afford to play ice hockey. And it's mostly, uh, you know, minorities of the city who can't really afford to play or afford to uh, buy the equipment. And so I first did, I came, I came down to the arenas, I got a chance to meet with all the kids and speak with all the kids and just to show some insights on, you know, just to grind and the steps and obstacles that it takes to get to the higher level, to get to the pro hockey level. So just to talk to those kids was, you know, something that I've always liked to do. And I'm going to keep doing more things like that. So, you know, obviously with, with everything going on, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of NHL players speaking out and, um, you know, a lot of celebrities speaking out. Everyone's protesting and stuff. Um, but do you feel like things um, are or are going to change in hockey? Absolutely. I think it will change. You know, it's hard not to after seeing, you know, the whole whole entire world's protesting. All 50 states in the U.S. and even in Europe, people are protesting. So it's hard not to see that and, you know, make changes to ice hockey, make changes to the world, to basketball, to baseball, to every sport, every community. Um, what are your thoughts on the NHL's plan? You know, I saw PK's donation that the NHL decided to match and but the George Floyd um, money's going to him and his family. But other than that, I know I see a lot of players are coming to speak out and they're building awareness for everything. And that's really important because players see that and see that, you know, everyone else sees that after that. So it's the awareness that has to build up for people to start, you know, just taking a step back and not, not just judging people on the color of their skin. So, uh, gee, I played against you for a couple of years in the O, and uh, you know, you're definitely like one of the hardest players I've had to play against. Um, who do you model your game after, and um, who would you consider hard to play against in the show? Uh, growing up, I like to model my game after like a couple of players. You know, a standout player for me was you know Wayne. You know, Simmons. He was a you know kind of guy like me, same size. He worked hard. You know, he played that gritty, solid game, but you know, he's a guy I really like to watch heavenly. And also Tom Wilson, the other guy I like to grow up and watch. Cause just because, you know, big guys, power forward, that's kind of how I mimic my game. And the hardest um, player, the hardest ahead, player I played against in the NHL probably be Sydney. He's, he's pretty skilled. Do you ever want to just kind of push him up in the corners and just give him a little jab? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, it kind of makes me remember of uh, a time me and Giovanni played against each other. And growing up, our, our families have kind of known each other, so we've been a little close. So me being a, a five foot nine rookie, I'm like, All right, this guy's not going to touch me. So 
the whole game, like whenever we play Giovanni, it's like you don't want to play against this guy because he's running around, he's hitting people, he's he's causing stuff all over the ice. But me, I'm like, yep. this this guy's not gonna touch me because like we're family. So <laughs> all, all game, I'm I'm sticking him, I'm chirping him, I'm grabbing his jersey and everything. And at one point, the player's just going on, and we're in the corner, and he just stopped, didn't care about anything else, shook his gloves at me, and is like. Let's go right now, and I Whoa. just like I just turn went the other way just like that. And then the, I remember then, that. You know, I remember the, that actually too. The the next whistle, he said, "I'm gonna end your career before it starts." So that was kind of the last time. <laughs> that was the last time I did anything to G. And uh, yeah, kind of just he's a player that you don't really want to mess with on the ice. Yeah, I remember that game actually. I remember going back and telling Dante and like, I was talking with Elijah. This guy keeps hacking me, sticking me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. So, so let me ask you this: if 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 Elijah had a dropped him, would you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. On the ice, like we're, you know, I obviously we grew up together mm. and stuff like that. But on the ice, it's on the ice is different to me. It's business. It's business. That's yeah. Awesome. Um, you know, you've kind of you've dealt with your share of racism during your time in the O. Yeah. And um, you know. Uh, is what are some of the situations that stand out the most with you and how were you able to deal with it going forward? Because there's a lot of young kids out there that are dealing with similar situations and we really want to make sure that they understand the guys that they're going to look up to like yourself have gone through them and mm. there is a message for them going forward. Yeah. The most difficult thing I probably dealt with was, um, not even from like a player standpoint, like a player was being racist to me. It was more so the fans. There was instant Sarnia actually, and, and kind of just, man, I almost lost my mind. It was, you know, it was, we're playing this team in the playoffs, and as I'm coming out, you know, a fan takes his time to run all the way downstairs to where like you're not really fans and um, spectators aren't really supposed to be. So a fan comes downstairs and he opens the door as I'm coming into my locker room. And he starts yelling words at me, some nasty mm. words. And I just started freaking out. You know, I kind of just, at that time, I was like, wow, like people are just so hateful, and, you know, things like that. But and I told my coaching staff, I told, <clears throat> I told the management, and they had my back to the whole situation, which made me feel really good that they, you know, they're not just cared about me as a, as a hockey player, but, you know, as a human being as well. That, you know, obviously that we're part of the team and everything, but sometimes it's deeper than that. So it got so bad at one point that you actually had to be escorted by the police. Like how, how was that? Yeah, that was, that, that experience was something else. You know, it was good and bad in the sense that like, like, wow, like I'm getting escorted to the police just to go to my hockey game. But at the same time that the fact that they just took those precautions for me to help me, get to the arena safely and without being harmed or without being harassed or anything, you know, it meant a lot for me. But at the same time, for, for, for us to be in the city and have to do that, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of hurting. You know, if my, if my little brother had to go through that, I would feel really bad for him that mm -hmm. he would be singled out to do that stuff by himself. But, you know, it's these steps that we have to take to get to where we want to go. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of a story, um, and I don't know if you guys know this story, but um, Mike Marzin, 
who was the second black player to play in the National Hockey League 1974 with the Washington Capitals. Um, there were death threats against him. And, you know, these are the days of people cutting out letters from the newspaper and pasting it on, you know, a pa- black, uh, blank sheet of paper and then mailing it to you. And one of those threats were taken so serious that the FBI had to come down to a game um, Washington against Flyers and had to actually have, you know, snipers and people inside the arena just watching out. Wow. Because, you know, the threat wow. was right there and that was severe. So how did you, you know, how, how, did you, how did you deal with that internally? And, you know, who did you turn to to kind of get your strength back uh, mentally after going through something like that? Mentally, you know, kind of, you know, I, I would say this every especially Caleb Keller playing ice hockey, playing ice hockey, you're mentally strong that, you know, you're going to be prepared that this stuff is going to happen. You know what stuff's going to happen. Your parents tell you, your dad tells you. And it's true. My dad has told me multiple times that, you know, you're different and people see you as different and they're going to try to take you down. And you have to be mentally tough enough to be able to, you know, overcome those incidents. And it happened to me multiple times growing up too. You've been playing minor hockey that, you know, kids just feel hatred and just feel want to be nasty and say things. So, you know, just really internally try to hurt me. But at the same time, yes, I am who I am because of the color of my skin. But that doesn't mean just because the words you say doesn't mean I'm that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, just to overcome that is like I know who I know what type of person I am. I know I'm not like I'm I'm not like a, a slave or. You know what I'm saying? Like the word they tend to use to me, like that's not who I am. For me to get through that was support my family, number one, and my friends on my team really helped me. How important was, uh, has your brother been to where you are today as a player and a person? Very important. Like I'm very lucky, honestly, I can say I'm really lucky to have Jamel to go through the OHL draft and the NHL draft and then play in the NHL and then come back to me to give me wisdom and give me guidance on how to get to the NHL and steps to get there. You know, very lucky to have that because, you know, most kids growing up don't only really have that. And for him to, you know, to tell me step by step and what's going to happen here and how you have to deal with this to get to this part, you know, it was really big for my career. Still is pretty big. Um, what advice would you give to any young kids of color that are going through adversity right now? Any young kids of color that are going through adversity right now, I would say, you know, you're, you know who you are. You know, it obviously happens. I met actually a couple of young boys that, you know, I spoke with personally that, you know, I've heard nasty stories that have happened to them in the past. And, you know, it's very, it hurts my heart to hear these things, but you know, my advice that I can give those boys and give those kids coming up is and just keep playing. Someone's always going to try to tell you something that you're not. And someone's always going to try to bring you down because either one, you're better than them and they're just really jealous of you or two, they see you as different and different to them is different. Them is scary because they're not used to it. So keep playing. Yeah. You, your emotions might come in the mix and, you're going to be pretty, you know, pretty heated up at the time. But, you know, just always remember the bigger picture. If you react, they want you to react. If you do something, they want you to do something. So don't play into their game. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. 
So, gee, uh, you know, I've spent a couple nights with you at, at Love Child, and I know you're you're into cars because you kind of helped me out. <laughs> What's Love Child? What That's just that? the place we go oh. to. <laughs> that that Some... is a night. That is a uh, a place where a lot of people go during the day to get drinks, and it's a club. But sounds sounds something else, Love Child. Yeah. Anyways, and, uh, you know, I think you're a little bit into cars because you're helping me out when I was getting my, my car last summer. Um, but I wanted to know what are the things that you're interested in outside of hockey? Outside of hockey now, I've, you know, became into a big interest of real estate. That's something that, Dope. you know, I, with playing hockey, it's, it allows us to be able to create that, you know, financial wealth for, for generations and for myself. and for myself to get into that and hopefully set up my, you know, my kids and my kids' kids by just doing these right steps. So, you know, just to change the whole narrative that, you know, because what us being from Jamaica, being a first generation born in Canada, our family didn't have much. So be able to leave a legacy and to leave something behind to already be in a jump start between coming from nothing to having something is, you know, that's what I'm, trying to build that's a legacy i rate that yeah uh you had a pretty good ohl career and you know now you just finished your second year pro how was the transition into the a and what was your time like there uh my first year my first transition to the ahl was it was actually it was really fun it was similar to the ohl so shout out to the ohl for giving the right formats and stint and and layout to the AHL and NHL because it's very similar. But it's just the style of gameplay, it's a little bit different. From the OHL, it's more, you know, you're, you're necessarily more focused on scoring goals and, you know, winning games by having good offensive plays and, you know, obviously scoring more. But as you graduate to the AHL, you start to learn that it's great that you can produce points and score goals. But if you can't take care of your defensive zone, if you're getting scored on, then if you can't figure out that part, it's going to be harder for you to graduate to the next part, and that's the NHL. So, G, what about, like, so what did you do um, that got the Red Wings' attention in order to be called up? What did I do? Uh, that's a tough question because I'm not, you know, just like you guys yourself, like when you go on the ice, you just play your solid game, right? You just – you go hard, you play hard, you come back, you finish the game, you're hurting, your body's all bruised up and you're feeling good. But for me, I think, I think it was my, my work effort that I put in in the previous summers just to show how determined I am to, to train and to want to get better. And they noticed that and they saw me making improvements during the season. That's from, from the summertime to September going up you know I was going in an, an upward spike and you notice that as a coach as a coaching staff or as a trainer that you know that kid's putting in work so if you can put in work and keep climbing up that ladder you will start to turn heads and that's what it takes yeah I think last time I skated with G we we're playing a, a scrimmage and um, we we're on different teams and his team won and he kind of yelled out like losing team everyone get on the line and kind of it was just for fun so like no one listened and although like his team won he went on the line and did some uh skating after so i think just that's like a little bit of a testament on 
why he got called up to the A and or to the NHL and hopefully going forward that's probably why he's going to stick. Huge work ethic. I love that. Um, so okay, so take us back to that moment when you first got called up to the NHL. Where were you? What was happening? Yeah. And uh, what was the emotions like when they told you you're going up to play in the show and put on the? the oh man, it was. I couldn't believe it at first. I was sitting at home in my apartment in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And out of nowhere, I just get a call from, I get a call from the GM. And that's, you know, regular practice day. If you're getting a call from your GM, it's either two things. You're getting traded or you're going to the NHL. And this so happened to be that I was going to play in the NHL. And what he told me, I was just so, I was so excited. But at the same time, like I was ready. I was ready to play. I worked so hard to get to this exact point. And I knew I would get to it. You know, it all just depended on a matter of when. And when I got the information, I was just, I was excited. I called my brother right away, you know, just to tell him because I was just too excited. I couldn't put into words. I called my family. And then just from there, it was just, I packed myself up and headed straight to Detroit and was ready to play the game the next night. Uh, who was that game against and kind of break it down how it went for us? First game we played against Buffalo, the Sabres. And it was, it was real, it was like, it was, it was really fun. I'll put it that way. You know, just step on the ice, you know, in a regular season game, not just preseason, you know, to play against, to play alongside guys you just, you grew up watching on TV and you watch them on YouTube looking for highlights and to play against guys like Eichel and, you know, Skinner, especially those high caliber guys and to be on the same ice as them. It's just, it's like, wow, it's, I'm finally here, but at the same time, I have put the work in. Did you, uh, did you get a lap in? Did the boys make you do a lap? <laughs> no lap. Oh. We're kind of in the, we're midst of a, you know, a little funk of a streak, but, you know, we just want to win games and, no. Were you no shook? For me. Were you shook? That was planned. Yeah, were you like when you first when you first got out there, like how long did it the nerves like how long did it take you to be like, okay, I'm good? Uh, you know what? I wasn't shook. Like at all. This is this is something I really wanted to do. And that's been building up for three years. Ever since I was eighteen getting drafted, you know, I want to play for the Detroit Red Wings and playing the NHL. So it was all mental preparation and preparation to get to where I was, you know, on that day. And to play that game, I just felt like myself. Whatever I did, I was going to do it and not feel any ways about it because at the end of the day, you know, we're all just hockey players and we've been playing this game since we're about six years old, five years old. So it's, you know, the game's not much different. It's just on a different platform. And so, you know, what's your ultimate goal in this, in this rat race of uh, playing hockey? What's your ultimate goal, man? My ultimate goal, number one, is to, you know, eventually win the Stanley Cup. But I think I would just be – that would be an amazing experience to finally to do that. But to have a, a long and successful career and to encourage more kids as I'm playing, more kids that – you know, see me on the ice and see me on the TV, you know, just want to be just like me. I want to play hockey, just 
you want to play hockey, just like how I started, you know, kids that come that didn't come from much and see a familiar face on the ice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you are you actually familiar with the Learn Play Score um, program in Detroit? Yeah, I've heard about that program. Yeah. So, you know, that program is, you know, it's, it's funded through a $1 million investment in partnership with the Red Wings, um, you know, the Red Wings Foundation, the NHL and the NHL PA. And I encourage you when you get back to learn about a guy by the name of Marlo Stoudemire. He recently passed away from the COVID-19, um, you know, virus. But if it wasn't for him, you know, that program wouldn't be in the city and i think his legacy is going to be something that is going to be cemented in detroit so i hope that you'll get more involved in that program because it's a great thing for the city uh gee one of the things that we do here on the podcast is we we like to ask your top five songs so if you're headed to the ring top five songs game seven stanley cup final you're driving in your car, headed to the rink. You got five songs. What are your five, five songs? songs? Yeah, man. No faces. Five songs? The five songs is going to hype you up, man. It's going to get you jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> they change. They change. They change on, you know, depends on the mood I'm in. Okay. And, you know, who's popped at the same time. But right now, if you, if you, right now, right now, what would be your top five right now? Right now, just go through my phone and tell you the Do easier. It. A song called Both by Heady One. He's a UK rapper. Okay. Life is Good by Drake and Future. Okay. Out West by Jack Boys and Travis Scott. That's three. Options by NSG. And your last one. My last one is Keisha and Becky remix. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Those are my songs. So, so if you're listening to those songs, is it trouble for the other team? It's trouble for everyone. So I'm in my mode right there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I just, once I'm vibing to those songs, got my headphones in, I'm just feeling good all around. So you be, everyone better watch out. Dig it. Hey, man, Giovanni, thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, make sure you uh, give a shout out to your brother. I met him. A bunch of years ago, uh, yeah, cameo in my documentary. Uh, he's a great dude, man, and I just want you know all the best to you and your family. Keep holding, thank you, out there in the D. We're gonna come and see you, man. Nice. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me once again. Appreciate thanks that. Come on, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, and when we make it, we gonna put our soul on ice. Cause when they doubted us, we did it twice. I guess the poop is in the freezer. They tried to get rid of us, but they need us. So I need you, like you need me. I need you, like you need me. We double up when our numbers come through the TV. Soul on ice, I'ma put my soul on ice. Nice. You got damn right, I'm screaming on that beat. I got a match screaming on the streets. We in the club, stadium, and the arena, cousin. Put me on ice and I'm hitting that top. Trees are dusting, fussing, fighting with myself is enticing. My enemies in the mirror, and he's always reciting the poetry of my power. Statistic of my weakness, shadow boxing with Tyson. I'm trying to show y'all I'm beating them to the punch. Competition on the table, which time for?
lunch. Though my mission is unstable, I'm scoring once, twice, three times, and I'm taking hats. Men lie, women lie, progress is based upon the facts. So let that baby shine. They solar showing Nola, they live within the grind. Now take them out that stroller, cause coming up is a chance. Prediction of Ali, he changed his name to Muhammad. We changing free to a feet. It's up to me. Uh, and when we make it, we gon' put our soul on ice. Cause when they doubted us, we did it twice. I guess the poop is in the freezer. They tried to get rid of us, but they need us. So I need you, like you need me. I need you, like you need me. We double up when our numbers come through the TV. So on ice, I'ma put my soul on ice. Nice. Uh, let's dedicate this one to Jaden Linda. Let's escalate to Caddy Crush the Pinta. Or maybe you prefer that Benz, why? That big truck, I don't give a f all they really want a house for the kid. Let's take it far down on the competition. Competition is nonsense, it's me and my soul's decision. Yeah, I only work against myself. I play against you to bench you. I'm throwing all shots to the shelf. Yeah, the top is the topic. You checking your armor, my wheel telescopic. So I'm steering my karma. The future is mine, like receiving the past from Jesus to Jordan to Crosby, Stills and Nash. Young, uh, and when we make it, we gon' put our soul on ice. Cause when they doubted us, we did it twice. I guess the proof is in the freezer. They tried to get rid of us, but they need us. So I need you, like you need me. I need you, like you need me. We double up when our numbers come through the TV. Soul on ice, I'ma put my soul on ice. Nice.